This week's episode is brought to you by The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, the new reference guide by Michael Vaughn that contains reviews and info on some of the weirdest genre films to ever make it to screen. Seriously, you think you're a connoisseur of hard-to-find horror? You're nothing until you read this thing. Click the link in our show notes to order your copy, and for more info, just keep listening. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 55 of the Graveyard Shift Horror Podcast, where each week we watch a movie from the horror category and break it down into the good, the bad, and when necessary, the downright confusing. We'll talk about the plot, some production details, and anything else we find fun or relevant. I'm your host, Sheldon, and I never worked Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the guy that originally thought that this week's movie was about vegetable porn, my co-host Mike. Hey, everybody. And how are you today, my friend? Ah, pretty good. I I never saw this movie before, and now I'm just like, wow, so this is what it was all about. Yeah. it's uh, It's been a while for me, and man, I gotta say, because like, I, I apologize to everybody off the bat, because you're probably gonna notice my energy levels are very low throughout this episode. I'm so tired. It's been a fucking crazy week. Um, getting my house ready for sale, and it's taken up a lot of time. It's not like a big project. It's the uh, accumulation of a lot of little projects. But uh, and, and and little projects is what he calls the bodies that are in the crawl space, the backyard, <laughs> under the tree, uh, the storm cellar. I was going to make a joke about what my wife calls my junk, but okay, you know, enough, <laughs> uh, no self depreciation just yet. Yeah, it's a lot of little things, but like in the end, it's going to be worth it. But anyway, we have a movie that I cannot wait to talk about, so why don't you tell everyone what we've got for them this week? Today's episode is, it's the great Pumpkinhead, Sheldon Brown, because we watched Pumpkinhead. Good grief. Here's some info (laughs) on Pumpkinhead. Released on October 14th, 1988, Pumpkinhead is an American horror movie starring Lance Henderson and directed by Sam Winston. And actually, it's Stan Winston, not Sam Winston. I'm just too tired to read. I'm pretty sure it's Lance Henriksen, not Hendrickson. Shut up. It had a budget of $4.4 million, but unfortunately made only about $3.8 million back at the box office. Ooh, diss. Poor old pumpkin head. The movie's... He's really blown it. <laughs> oh, God. Don't, to... no, don't, 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 don't. Don't ruin our episode with your lame joke. This movie is rated R has the perfect runtime of 86 minutes, and has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 65% and an audience score of a measly little 47%. Well, there's your problem. (laughs) That explains the low box office results. But I gotta say, I'm surprised it scores that low, though. I didn't think it was that bad. No, we've definitely... We've absolutely seen worse. For sure. We've seen worse. I've gotten a lot better scores, so... Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody always... <laughs> it's like a big thing online now, like, to to diss Rotten Tomatoes. Like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes give movies that are really good, low scores, blah, blah, And people don't... I don't think people realize that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't actually do any of the reviewing. 
They yeah, just fuck you, general consensus of the public. <laughs> yeah, they just collect the scores. Like, just give you an average score of all this, all the uh, reviews that they collect. That's all. But yeah, yeah, fuck you, court of public opinion. What do you know about what the average person feels? Yeah, like oh, everybody's <laughs> like oh, Rotten Tomatoes is so biased. Oh my god, it gave my movie that I love a bad score. What do they know at Rotten Tomatoes? Anyway, people suck. I guess that's my point. As for the plot, a grieving man summons a vengeance demon to take revenge on a group of young people he believes responsible for the death of his son. He soon realizes that the price of vengeance is too high. Okay, so we talked about it briefly, but without giving in, giving away any details, because we will do that shortly, what's your overall opinion of this one? It was an interesting movie. It's I wouldn't say it's a great movie, mm-hmm. but it was it was a good movie. I enjoyed it well enough. I mean, it's no masterpiece. It certainly has some uh, cringeworthy moments, I guess. And I don't mean cringeworthy and like grotesque or anything. Just like, Ugh, why did he do that? Um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, I was entertained. It was. It had a nice, fast pace to it. There weren't really any dull moments. Um, Probably to do with with the short runtime too, being only eighty six minutes. But um, overall, I'd recommend it. It's not at the top of my list of like my favorites from the eighties, but I mean, you know, I got no problem popping this in every once in a while and giving it a watch. So yeah, I I think that the forty seven percent audience score is uh, is a little low. But anyway, we are going to get into details about what we liked about it and what we didn't with our good and bad section. Now, this can be as broad or specific as we want. It could be an overall theme, a certain scene, certain line of dialogue, certain character, whatever. If we liked it, we're going to praise it. If we didn't, we're going to trash it. And we always start off with the good, and we always start off with the mic. So, Mike. Tell me something good about this movie. Well, right off the bat, we've got a good opening with spooky fire, uh, a pumpkin-colored font, and creepy redneck music in the background. Mm-hmm. It's just letting you know we're off for some spooky country shit. Oh, I just My note just says, well, we're starting in hell. It can only go up from here. <laughs> Yeah, it um, started off like, you know, the uh, it really did set the tone. It's got like some, uh, like, I, I don't know even know how to describe the music. Like, hor- like a horror theme combined with some redneck music, I guess. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Is there any such thing as redneck music? Is it just country music? What? What? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not, you can tell I'm not exactly big into the country genre, so... Well, country music, I think, like, has, like, a band behind it, and redneck music is just, like, one or two instruments played on a porch on yeah, a windy day. Yeah, you got, like, a, a guy with a banjo and a guy with a fiddle and a guy, like, with a moonshine jug. And... Yeah. Country music has, like, pedal steels, guitars, shit like that. All right. And, and, and redneck music is, like, made on homemade instruments. Yeah. I, I know, like nothing about country music which is weird because i come from a small town in newfoundland and everybody loves their country music 
except me, apparently. Um, <laughs> Class traitor. You know, as a little kid, I'm like rocking out to Nirvana while everyone else is like rocking out to Billy Ray Cyrus. So They're like, what, you're not down with Ashley McIsaac, my boy? <laughs> Ashley McIsaac's not country. I know that much. <laughs> and we just uh, lost let's half see, no, of, got, got, We just lost ta- half our audience with that tangent. Anyway, let's ta- get back tap to dancing it. guy with a fiddle and he's not country, yeah. So Mike likes the credits and the opening music. That's the point of this big segment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We are gone way off the rails. Okay, so what was your like? Um I'm going to start off with just the acting in general. Uh, I think everybody did a fairly decent job. I think the kid actors were good. <laughs> Do you disagree? <laughs> uh, there was good acting, and then conversely, there was bad acting by the same good actors. Uh, everybody had some, of the, had some off days. Um, Lance, <laughs> Lance Hendrickson. Uh, what the fuck? Hendrickson. Yes, not Hendrickson. But anyway, uh, he did a good job. I don't know why they gave him, like, false buck teeth, but because um, he didn't have those teeth in anything else that I noticed. And they didn't even match the color of his actual teeth. They're, like, insanely white compared to the rest of his teeth. <laughs> it's like you didn't realize if I'm going to give a guy bumpkin teeth, they're not going to be pearly white. Yeah. You got to you got to make them beige like everything else in this fucking movie. Oh yeah, man, like everything in this movie is just the color of dust. Um <laughs> and everybody just looks dirty all the time. But uh yeah, overall like I don't like the acting wasn't bad. Like yeah, you're right. It did have maybe some moments, but overall I'd say everyone did a fairly good job. I don't want that revenge no more. <laughs> You done did it wrong. How do I don't do it? Ding diddly bum to do. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like bashing his head against his rifle. I don't do it. It's not my do. I don't do. I don't do it no more. <laughs> Which is weird because the worst, the worst acting in the movie came from like the best actor in the movie. <laughs> I know. Like, did they did they give Lance Henriksen roofies? And then they're just like, okay, this is gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> then he just wakes up with a headache. Oh man, when are we going to shoot? Oh, don't worry, we got it. Got what? Never mind. Never mind. Everyone, collect these moonshine jugs and let's go. Um, <laughs> He's in the theater afterwards. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? What? I don't remember this. What the hell is wrong with my teeth? <laughs> Wait, are we talking about the good or the bad? <laughs> this is supposed to be the good. Okay, the, the acting was fair for the most part. I'll temper my note here. The acting was okay when it was good. <laughs> yes, when the acting was good, it wasn't bad. Um, I was talking about the kid actors. Did you sp- like my wife picked this up? And I've seen this movie. This was probably like the third time I've watched this movie, and I didn't notice this. My wife picked it out, uh, picked up on this when the uh, God when the uh, the real like country bumpkin shows up with his uh, truckload of kids. The dust kids. Yeah, and they start circling the kids saying, like, you know, Pumpkinhead's going to get you. Yeah. One of the kids was Blossom, apparently. Yeah, Mayim Bialik. Oh, you caught that. All yeah, right. Because I went to check the Wikipedia just so I could figure out, like, who is, who's in this movie? Because I thought the guy that played the main prick was uh, the same guy that played uh, Jefferson in uh, Married with Children. You know, Ted McGinley? Oh, yeah. Because he looks like Ted McGinley, doesn't he? If Ted McGinley was like a had like black hair and he was just a slightly bit more muscular, if, 
he looks like Ted McKinley if you were like drunk at a bar or something and saw him. <laughs> hey, you got Mary, the children. Happy day. <laughs> so that's when I noticed Mom Bialik's name in the credits, and I'm like, what the fuck? But then when I saw the movie, I'm just like, oh shit, yeah, now I can pick her up. Yeah, and so, yeah, I had to play that part back because my wife picked it out and she was like, hey, is that Blossom? I'm like, no, don't be stupid. Why would Blossom be in this? Because she has to do something until Blossom? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so, okay, so the acting was okay for the most part. Fine, Mike, whatever, you win. <laughs> and uh, to that end, to uh, follow up on that, my next good is the old woman. She is, she looks deader than Pumpkinhead and is almost as creepy. Well, I can tell this is going to be one of those episodes where me and you are going to clash on just about everything. (laughs) I'll get to the old woman later on. But yeah, she, okay, yeah, it was acted okay. But, you know, I'm going to save it for my bad shit. That's the whole reason why we have categories. So we... We've been all over the place so far. God damn it, I'm going to take the reins and keep this thing straight. <laughs> you got to right the ship. That's right. Okay, so you like the old woman. Yeah. She was creepy, she was unsettling, and until Pumpkinhead actually gets around doing his business, she is definitely the, the most terrifying part in this movie. I still think she was scarier than Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Okay, what's yours? Okay, for the good, since we've mentioned him, let's talk about old Pumpkinhead. I like Pumpkinhead. That was a good, actually a good monster. Um, yeah, he was another one of my goods, so we can share this one. We can share that one at least. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was he was terrifying. He's terrifying. Uh, he was sadistic because he reminded me like uh, like he wasn't just going straight for the kill. He liked to play around with the victims a little bit. Toss yeah. them around, like smack them around, lift them up, and show them, like tease the other, like you know the the other potential victims. <laughs> oh. <laughs> say, oh, look what I got! This is gonna happen to you. This is gonna happen to you. Oh, yeah, and like he you... had this smirk on his face, like when he was killing people, like he was really getting off on it. Oh, and he's got that Christian girl, and he's got her pressed against the glass, and it's almost like he's trying to mouth with her, like, Hello, fellow teenagers, I am well. Please open (laughs) up the door and let me in. Thank you. Yeah, so I think, and like, I okay, I'm going to say, bit of a unique monster in a sense. I mean, like, there's nothing unique about, you know, a movie about teens being stalked by a monster through the woods, but just... The origin of it, like, it just, the setup, uh, you know, where the person that summons it is kind of linked with it. So you're basically giving up. If you summon a pumpkin head, you're giving up your life. Uh, the summon it um, starts off with just this, this, this shriveled dead body. And uh, then when it gets the person's blood, you know, they, they do like a little blood sacrifice um, with the person that wants to summon it. And it just all of a sudden grows, gets fleshed out, turns into this uh, xenomorph-looking character. Oh, yeah. And uh, just just good all around. And to think, like, you know, should be done in movies more often. Like, I mean, it rarely happens now because most of the time you're going to get just CG characters. But this was a combination of a guy in a suit and animatronics. And, uh, yeah, it's just, just a good job. Like, it's looked terrifying... 
Um, it's it doesn't show up in like when you think about classic movie monsters. Like, well, when I say classic, I mean like the '80s. We've got some good monsters that came from the '80s, but uh, this one usually is not going to be on the top of people's lists. But uh, it's too bad because I think he they did a good job with it, and it's uh, it's too bad that it's not as well known as some of the others. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned about the Z- it, like it reminded me a lot of a xenomorph. Um, what did I what did I tell you in my screenshot? Then you call it like a combination of uh, the alien and predator. Yeah, because we see once when it opens up its mouth and it's got like a fangs on the on the edges of its jowls. Yeah, just like a a shrimp. So I'm like, it's pretty alien. Yeah, and it's no—I don't think it's a coincidence either that uh, you know it's got some of those xenomorph characteristics because the uh, director of the movie, Stan Winston, was actually one of the uh, effects. I don't know if he worked on the special effects or was the effects supervisor on Aliens. This <laughs> was actually his uh, directorial debut, and uh, he worked on a lot of movies. Actually, I think from what I read. Um, Aliens, Jurassic, uh, and this was just as uh, in special effects capacity, worked on Aliens, Jurassic Park, and there was like so many other movies from the 80s and 90s that uh, that he was involved with, and it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I honestly, especially looking at, I, I'm almost thinking like since he worked on Aliens, did he have access to like a bodysuit that was used as one of the xenomorphs and just modified it a bit? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he just said, cool. "Hey, hey, can I borrow this for a bit?" Yeah, and you can. Uh, I actually found a video on YouTube. Maybe I should put the link in the show notes. Um, so check the, if you're listening to this episode. Check the show notes to see if I remembered to do this. But anyway, <laughs> I found a link where there was actually some behind the scenes uh, of Pumpkinhead where they were actually building the suit and were testing it. You can even see some scenes where a guy is using the suit without the head on it, where he's just getting used to the movements, how to control it. So it's uh, it's huh. all pretty cool. It was like a little combination of an actual suit, animatronics, some puppeteering. It's, I think it's like in total, there's like four people operating the suit in total, because you got one guy actually walking around, one person doing nothing but controlling the tail, and then another a couple of people doing the uh, facial movements. So, all very interesting. So, yeah, that's enough of my rambling. Good monster. I like good old Pumpkinhead. Which means that my final good is one scene in particular when the Christian girl is praying and her friend walks into the kitchen, grabs a cleaver, slams it on the table and says, just in case God doesn't show. Yeah. Which is, you know, as per usual. And he doesn't. As per usual. (laughs) God doesn't show up. Wouldn't it be great in a horror movie if the one Christian is actually protected by God? Like, you're about to be killed and a giant hand just all of a sudden grabs the killer, like, pushes the killer back and says, like, hey, fuck <laughs> off. Or, like, they, get, they like, stab her in the chest several times, but he keeps bouncing off her crucifix. <laughs> and then when they finally decide to just, like, grab her by the throat, then, like, the chain wraps itself around the monster, rips, its, rips, the, <laughs> rips the hand off. And then you just hear like a voice like this one's mine. This one belongs to me. <laughs> Sounds like a or ju- or just start, it just starts to glow and you hear like an angelic choir and then the monster dissolves. Sounds like it should be like a family guy skit or something. <laughs> uh there is one movie where God actually does kill everybody. 
But uh, I, that's a movie that we will be getting into later in the year. It's on the list, but we just have to remember there is a movie where God actually does kill the bad guy. Um, and it's coming. There is one. There's a Stephen King movie. Uh, I think it's The Stand, where literally the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, God, you actually see God's hand descend from heaven and set off a nuclear bomb. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre, man. <laughs> Literally, oh, wow. Like, uh, we, we're just... The movie I'm talking about where you just get to see, like, an action where God gets the credit, but you're talking about, like, actual big G st- steps up. Oh, yeah. And, and he sets off a bomb. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Let me tell you, if we did that movie, that would definitely be in the what the fuck column. I oh. never I I tried watching The Stand, but I was only like twelve when it came out, and it was on late, so I only got to watch pieces of it. And I just remember the guy from Coach saying like M O O N. That spells trip. M O O. You mean Patrick Star? Uh, no, it's uh, Bill Fagerbaki from Coach. Yeah, he does the voice of Patrick in SpongeBob. Oh wow! Yeah. I don't know how I know that. I've I've watched a lot of SpongeBob with my son. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're still talking about the good. Okay, so you like that scene? Um, I'm gonna oh, say- uh, there's an upcoming episode of the uh, of Technobabble, and at one point I asked Google Assistant to play <laughs> to play the graveyard shift, thinking it will load up this podcast, but instead it goes to YouTube and plays SpongeBob. <laughs> oh my god and it's the episode the graveyard shift nice that's one of, my, <laughs> one of my son's favorite episodes okay so that's it for you for the good i'm a lot of goods oh i'm gonna say like to uh do. the kills not extreme not graphic but not extremely graphic i should say like there is a little bit of gore and some blood but nothing you know pretty light compared to some of the things we've seen but um, pretty good. Like, the monster kills most people by bashing them to death, pretty much. <laughs> Picking, <laughs> grabbing them by a foot and doing, like, the whole Hulk, uh, Hulk versus Loki thing. <laughs> Dropping them from a tree a few Dropping, times. Dropping, cl- climbs a tree. And, like, it gave the kills, even though you're being killed by this big puppet monster, it still gave the kills, like, a sense of reality because they weren't... They were a little more subtle, but, like, still effective um yeah like one girl just literally picks her up by the head climbs a tree and then just drops her on top of a huge rock and then the christian girl he doesn't like she's still alive when he's pushing her head up against the glass and he's carved a crucifix onto her face but what kills her is when he pushes her through the window she's resting on top of the broken glass Yes, she gets impaled by glass and that was uh, that was a great kill uh, just because it's dragged out, like, he's kind of mocking, like, using her to mock them. Like I said, he's pl- he plays with his victims. And then just, okay, I'm bored. And just not, like, pulls back and quickly shoves. Just pushes, adds pressure until her head pops through the window. <laughs> and it w- I thought that was great. That was a fantastic kill. You don't even, like, you see the window pop, she slumps down, and blood just starts to gush over everything. And so, uh, yeah, I give props to the kills. Like, uh, another kill, I literally thought Pumpkinhead was going to shoot that guy. Grabs his yeah, gun. And is pointing like, it at him. The guy even, like, kind of, like, backs up and puts his hands up a little bit. 
<laughs> then it's like, is Pumpkinhead gonna shoot him? I don't remember. This has been so long. And but no, Pumpkinhead's like, I, I'm I'm a fucking monster. I don't know how to use a gun, so he just jams through him and picks him up. I, I can't fit my finger through this trigger, so I'm just gonna stab you with it. And Pumpkinhead's got this this delighted look on his face when he's got the guy picked up. Just like he's saying, hey, God, figured, look what I did. I figured it out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Pumpkinhead, he, he delights in his work. Yeah. I, I love when he's going through the church, and he picks up a cross, and then he just stares at it like, Oh, I finally found Jesus. <laughs> and he ran away screaming. After he smashes the cross to pieces. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I like that too because he was a demon. I I was wondering like, oh, if he touches the cross, what's going to happen? Is he going to get like the vampire thing? He's going to touch it. He's going to recoil from it, or is smoke going to come from him when he touches it? He picks it up and looks at it, and then bah, and starts smashing it. Like, <laughs> fuck your religion. Yep, God's got nothing on me. Yeah, and I think for for lastly for my good, I think I might have mentioned this already, but just not about the monster itself, but just that having. Um, the connection between, like, you know, okay, yeah, you can summon this demon. It's gonna take care of you know, your enemies. It's gonna, gonna take, uh, gonna t- to put, uh, do your revenging for you. But the price is high, and the price is you're yep. gonna see everything this monster does, and you're going to feel it as well. Yep. If it's gonna be doing your work for you, you're not getting out of. You're still not gonna get out of the responsibility for it. So I like that because it's one thing you go, you know, it it changed his mind real quick when he sees what's happening. Like, it wasn't quick and clean. It got dragged out and these people were being tortured and it he couldn't handle it. No, that was a, a, a very excellent twist in this. Or that, a nice affectation in this movie. And he it definitely sudden, made a great point. Yeah, he becomes, you know, he all of a sudden, you know, he's got to stop this thing that he's unleashed it uh, the price like the old lady said the price is high mm-hmm. so that's pretty much it for the good uh, other than it created this one little note they i did like the atmosphere it's kind of creepy it kind of had a, a tone to it almost like the old-fashioned monster movies you know it's like got a, it's at night creepy setting um it's it's not taking place in a uh, po- a very populated area. There's lots of space between houses, so people you know there's not like there's a lot of people all over the place. Um, the place is creepy as fuck. It's the type of place that I would avoid at all costs without there being a monster tromping through the woods. <laughs> I no I like nope. I'm sorry. I'm not being prejudiced, but I pull up the first person that steps out of a truck. Uh, a truckload. We got a truckload of kids and wearing like some dirty coveralls or overalls, and I'm like, nah, I'm not. Yeah, these people can't even afford like water for a washing machine. Like, even if you just had a washing machine or, or a okay. scrubbing tub. Okay, it, and we're not saying because somebody the... is. I'm not saying because somebody is poor that means they're evil. I'm <laughs> just saying that they just they just can't afford water. They can't afford color. Okay? That's how fucking broke they are. They can't even afford color in their clothes. I mean, it opens up with, like, the first person these kids, these teenagers, are, you know, the typical 80s teenagers that look like they're at least late 20s. Um, 
I mean, there's just just a guy just walking down the street, walking down the road with a shotgun on his back, like over his shoulder. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'd be a little weirded out, so I'm out of there. Yeah, you could fill up, you could bring a color camera with no filter on it, and still shoot a 1920s movie here. Absolutely. Oh, the place is just a dust bowl. This place is Sepiaville. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it for the good. So you want to go right into the bad? Sure. All and right. as always, we start with the Sheldon. Yay. Why Why was there lightning? Or at least a strobe light that was supposed to be lightning every time Pumpkinhead was around, but it was never happening when he wasn't around? That's... Okay, you Okay, you just dipped your toe in my what the fuck. <laughs> Because my first what the fuck is, its power includes shitty weather? Yeah, I thought that was weird. I don't know why they did it. Uh, just to make the monster look a little more imposing, I guess. To have, like, the flashing, like... Because... But it just... To me, it just came off strange. I'm like, that took away from it because it made it look silly. Like, it's a perfectly clear night anytime you just see the people. As soon as Pumpkinhead's attacking, there's, like, a f- blue flashing light somewhere. Well, that was such a weird decision to make. I don't know why they thought that made sense. It's not, <laughs> instead of a, uh, a rain, instead of a thunderstorm in the country, we're now in an outside disco. And I mean, it wasn't as bad strobe effect as uh, what we saw in Hollow's End. Um, oh, no. But I mean, it was distracting and just seemed weird. I'm like, is it, is there a thunderstorm? What's going on here? But it's only when Pumpkinhead showed up. So I'm like, is he pulling, like, a strobe light behind him? What's going on? So anyway, I was like, I kind of was going to put that on my what-the-fuck list, but I was like, I don't think it's enough to, for the to be a what-the-fuck. I just thought it was a bad uh, bad decision. I don't know if it was supposed to be some kind of, you know, an artistic decision, but I didn't like it. Yeah, and speaking of bad decisions, the kill at the beginning could have been a good one. But it was lousy with jarring quick cuts, which ruined a nice pose with the monster holding the farmer that uh, he's been sent to kill. And every time it looks like we finally get a chance to see Pumpkinhead, which, you know, it would have been okay seeing it, but, like, they obscure it, and then they outright show it, but it's so quick, your your brain doesn't have time to process what you've seen. So... That just pissed me off because this could have been great, but because of everything awful around it, it just ruined it. Like at one point, it looks like the guy's being killed by a by an off-screen crane. <laughs> uh, well, see, I had a note on that as well, but like I kind of went a little different with you because I was like, okay, it starts off. Very suspenseful. You know that this guy's being chased down by something, and something attacks him off screen. You know, you just see him get grabbed, he gets pulled off screen, and he gets picked up. But then they reveal the monster, so it's no surprise. Like, we get a full on body shot of the monster holding this guy. And. Yeah, so what was the point of being suspenseful? So, yeah, I mean, so then there was absolutely no surprise once this guy summoned the demon. 
and like it grew into its full form, it's like, yeah, I know. Like, why are you playing it up as suspenseful now? Because we've already seen the monster. Yeah, you could have just showed us nothing, and that would have been suspenseful. Like, just have like the sound of it, like when it's like ripping into somebody, and just like have like just zoom in on the kid, and that's it. Yeah. And he's like, you can see like the shadow or the reflection of a guy being tossed around off the window glass. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're gonna show all the monster, then either stop and let us absorb the monster, or show nothing of the monster, and that makes the reveal when he's summoned later even yeah. better. You know, once you've revealed it, then you don't have to be try to act all, all. Try, you you you've lost your opportunity to keep uh, keep us in suspense. It's done. Then you might as well just outright show it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next thing I got on my list... Oh, boy, this happened a lot in this movie. They went nuts with the jump scares in this. The fake jump scares, I might add. Um, starts off with the main character, old Lancy Boy, walks into a bird on the way to the witch's house. Um... The dog jumps off screen onto uh, towards the end, jumps off screen into the kid's lap. Uh, some of the teens walking into each other, like when they're searching for one of the other teens in the woods. Just, oh my god, okay, yes, we get it. You get, you're scaring people by making us pretend, making us think for a second that the monster is jumping out, but it's not the monster. We, I know what a jump scare is. You don't have to do it six or seven times throughout your very short movie. So I had to make a note there because I'm, I'm, there are certain times jump scares are done well. Um, you can usually tell even when they're done well, you can usually tell they're coming, but that's why you use them sparingly. Even the most effective way to do a jump scare is have a few things happen throughout the movie. Like that weren't jump scares. Like people actually get killed in this case, have them already taken out by a monster so that you think then that oh yes this person is about to get grabbed by a monster as well and then do a jump scare like you when you've already set up before the movie's even even before the monster is revealed we already get at least two or three so they kind of lose their effect by that at that point so please just stop doing it so yeah so that's it like just jump scares and i know this was what 30 years ago so, yeah, almost the thirtieth anniversary. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this October. So wow, I didn't realize the movie was around for so long. But yeah, so I mean, it's a common trope now. Like jump scares are so overused, especially with there's so many of these ghost stories, like uh, you know, like the Insidious stories and the uh, Annabelle st- movies. There's so many of these j- fake jump scares. So. It's mostly thought of as a new trope, like it, and it is used a lot today. But uh, you know, this movie thirty years ago was pretty jump scare heavy as well. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. What else you got on your bad list? Uh, what I didn't like was a part of the story where the nice guy of the teenagers was killed. The first go, he, he was the good guy. You'd think like he would have had a chance to explain himself, or like if the kid, if the guy is forced to see Pumpkinhead, he could just say, "No, he was, no, he stayed by my boy. He done, he done did him good." Like, if he can, you think that he would have some 
control or influence over Pumpkinhead if he's meant to see things through his eyes. Yeah. And well, also, I... this guy was the good guy. He stuck by the kid. He 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 genuinely felt bad. He even tried to call the police. Like, this kid did everything in his power that he could to do right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was something I had from my notes, too. So I was like, wow, so Pumpkinhead just... You just have to be, like, you know, guilty by association, really, <laughs> for yeah, Pumpkinhead to come after you. Yeah, you just have to be perceived... You. Yeah, you just have to be perceived guilty. Like, he doesn't actually go after the guilty. Yeah. Even in the beginning, we hear the guy saying, like, I didn't kill that girl. And who knows? Maybe he didn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe Pumpkinhead just went after a guy that people thought killed the girl. And Yeah, so I guess, like, it's it's not really, doesn't really care. Like, could you, we call him a vengeance demon, but maybe you could just set him after anybody. If you didn't like this person, I'm going to summon this demon and <laughs> get him to kill you. So... Oh my god, can you imagine how busy Pumpkinhead would be with the uh, with Facebook comments? <laughs> I disagree this with guy, your opinion, so I'm sending a demon after you. This guy this guy posted libertarian shit on my Facebook page. Kill him. So yeah, it's uh I, I thought that was a little odd too. It's like wow, this uh this demon just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> you just <laughs> happen to be it doesn't matter who did the bad deed. You're just you're guilty by association. So I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, even when he kills the guy that did do the thing, he still goes after the other two. Have, they, who were who were locked in a closet they were because they tried to call the police? <laughs> they tried to call the police. They were always trying to do the right thing, and and he's just like, kill, kill kids. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh. Yeah, that's that's all I had to say about that. It's just um... actually, that was your point, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so, my point. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was waiting for you to get on. I was waiting for you to mention probably the acting when it get when it's not good. Yeah. So yeah, when the acting, you were right. When the acting was bad, it was pretty bad, and unfortunately, it it was by uh, Lance Hendrickson, like the. The guy that's, I mean, he's not an A-lister by any means, but I i always thought that he had decent acting chops. Um, and for the most part, when he was, until he took his, you're right, like his little panicky fit, he was doing a decent job. Oh, and then when he starts feeling guilty and he goes to the old lady, he's like, Oh, God damn you! God damn you! Yeah. And he's like cradling his gun and... Yeah, you're right. That was that was a bit cringeworthy. I'll admit that. So I want to talk about um, the old lady. Like the way she speak. I like the way she spoke. Um, oh, she had a great line when he says "God damn you," and she just calmly says, "He already has." Yeah, but that like that lady. That lady had some good lines. Couldn't they have actually gotten some like you know an elderly person to play the old lady? And I mean, she wasn't. I don't think so. Well, it's hard to tell because of the makeup. Because she had this... In the 80s and 90s, whenever they were going to make somebody look old and like a witch, they all looked the same. They got this obvious, very obvious, like, fake skin makeup effect. And, um, I don't know. I just never liked the look of it. It doesn't look real. So... Anyway, I just put, put it there. It's like, I... While the character was done well i didn't particularly like the look of her yeah she was 
unsettling to look at. Yeah. But again, she stole every scene she was in. Like when he's like, "Oh, you got to call him off. It's too horrible. I'm seeing them die." And she goes, "Did you think that it would be quick and clean?" Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's mixed. Wow, you know she. I actually had to go look this up. She actually died before this movie got released. Of being old. Um. Yeah. Actually, she was old. So, congratulations, you ageist bastard. I don't give a fuck. The makeup still looked bad. I don't care what you say. The makeup still looked bad. It wasn't makeup. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. See if you can find some pictures and see, like, oh, wow, they only like, gave her a wig and that was it. She was born in 1914 and died in 1980, December 1987. Wow. So she was 73 years old. Okay. So there was makeup, because she was 73, but I mean, you know, she wasn't 103, which is what they were shooting for, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, look back through, like, the 80s and 90s, anytime someone, like, portrayed, like, an old woman-type witch, they all looked exactly the same. Well, except for Debbie Harry, when she was a witch in Tales from the Dark Side, that was a nice twist. Mm, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. So yeah, so that uh, uh, yeah, she did not see the she did not live to see this movie get released. Oh, that sucks. She didn't see her final role. But uh, anyway, that uh, so I meant is that, that your bad? That was that was bad. Yeah, I wasn't impressed by the look of the witch. You could have yeah, just so had you just you could have just had any old woman be there. Didn't need to put on any type of heavy makeup. Just anyway. You got anything else for the bad? Nope. It's all what the fucks from here. I only got one what the fuck, and I already mentioned it. That <laughs> why the hell did they have to give um, old Jim Bob? What was his name? Ed Hardly. <laughs> Ed Hardly. Jim Bob. <laughs> Lance Hendrickson, why did they have to give him buck teeth? Just be so he's playing some kind of hillbilly, so they have to say, well, here's uh, what a typical hillbilly looks like, but your teeth are just not buck enough, so here, <laughs> slap these on. We we need we need a we need a character named Buck and some teeth that are buck. Yeah. Jesus. It's like sorry, Lance, your smile is just too fucking well put together and entrancing. So we need we need we need to fuck up your grill a bit. And then they didn't. <laughs> the buck teeth were like super white. <laughs> it looked to like Nosferatu. Man, he was reminding me of Nosferatu. Oh God! So I'm like, when it, when I used to hear him speak, I'm like, okay, so is he speaking with like what's supposed to be like a like a, a hillbilly accent, or? Is he just having trouble speaking because of the, t of the teeth? <laughs> I got this prosthetic in my mouth. Oh my god! So I'm just going to talk like this. I just thought that was weird. Like they tried to make him look like such a sterical, uh, like a stereotypical bumpkin, and no, they just couldn't have him like be dirty, like a little bit unkempt, um, and have no, that, the that, uh, that honor. That honor went to the Wallace family. Oh, yeah, these kids have never had a bath. The only place they've ever had a bath is in the creek. Um, <laughs> hey, that's my tadpole. No, it ain't my tadpole. 
but anyway, yeah, like, it's uh, just, I had to put that down as a what the fuck. Like, why? Who decided that was a good idea? Oh, yeah, and my what the fucks are quick and, quick and dirty. Um, its like powers you. include strong bre- <laughs> Well, shit, that's the, that's the way they, that's the way they ask for it. So, its powers include strong breezes. You think the father would have some control over it if he can see its kills. And then, towards the end, when this thing has destroyed all the cars and leaves the bike in an obvious trap. But you just think, oh, it's waiting in the tree to drop on the bike. But no. (laughs) The guy starts up the bike. It starts making a bad noise. And then the monster shows up. And instead of, like, lunging at him, it just holds up the chain that it's ripped off the bike. Like, this thing fucking understands the bike needs the chain. If this creature hasn't been around since the 1940s and he was in the sticks at the time, how the fuck does he understand the operation of a motorcycle? Yeah. And finally, we get to see Ed Harley shoot himself in the head, then walk out of his car towards the barn. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then finally drop and stagger. And then get back up. After shooting himself through the skull yep like not just like i at first i'm like okay did he miss did he just graze himself but nope that was a bullet directly on the side of his head <laughs> yeah we see a hole in his temple he has just blown his brains out Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh that's uh, literally my note there is like wow he's very vertical for somebody who just shot himself in the head <laughs> uh, it's like yeah i just shot myself in the brains i'm i'm a little dizzy okay sleepy by now <laughs> I, i'm just gonna sleep this one off i'll be up in a minute okay anything else nope that's all my notes that is it for me for the what the fuck too okay so we've done the good the bad and the what the fuck i think that's a good place to take a break we'll be right back after this Oh, hey, Mike. Hi, Sheldon. Wow, you sound down. What's the problem, pal? Well, it's about the show. I think I've used up all my horror movie knowledge, and I can't find any more movies to watch that other horror movie reviewers haven't covered. I don't know what I can contribute to this show anymore. I don't want to be a horror movie poser. It's got me really bummed out. (laughs) Oh, I know that feeling. You do? I sure do, buddy. But, Sheldon, you're so handsome and... And popular, popular, what is this? Just read the script. But I don't want to say it. Read it. No, I'm not. Just read the damn script. Fuck. But Sheldon, you are so handsome and popular and successful. What do you have to be down about? Oh, well, it's nice of you to say that. But like you, I once felt that I had maxed out my horror cred until I found this. The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. What's the ultimate guide to strange cinema? It's the new movie reference guide by Mike Vaughn. It's one of the most comprehensive movie guides I've ever read. It contains over 300 reviews of movies that go from the horror genre to just the plain weird. Plus, it has a ton of photos, trivia, and even interviews with some of the actors and directors in some of the films. Wow, I've never heard of most of the movies in this book. Neither had I. 
I consider myself a bit of a connoisseur of little-known horror movies, but I found a bunch in this book that I didn't even know existed. Like, Dead Sushi. I mean, a Japanese action horror film about living dead sushi that attacks and eats human victims. Not only did I find movies that were new to me, I also learned a lot of behind-the-scenes details and trivia on some that I was already familiar with. Sounds like you really enjoyed it. And I'm not the only one. Film critic and former editor-in-chief of Fangoria magazine Chris Alexander also praised it, called it a concise guide to the cream of the creepy, arcane, oddly erotic, edgy, extreme, unloved, and often cross-eyed cinema crop. Well, I'm sold. How can I get a copy of the ultimate guide to strange cinema for myself? Just click the link to Amazon in this episode's show notes or go to Amazon.com and search The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. And for more info, you can follow author Mike Vaughn on Twitter at StrangeCinema65. I'm going to order my copy right now. Thanks, Sheldon. I think this is just what I need to get me back on track with horror movies. Glad I could help, Mike. So, you know, I only said those nice things about you because it was in the script, right? Well, it doesn't mean you don't feel that way. I'm writing the ads from now on. Nope. Okay, Mike, I'm very curious because, like I said, the kills in this movie weren't extremely graphic. Uh, there's you got quite a few to pick from, though, so I'm wondering what you've got for us. Well, I got my work cut out for me on this week's Kill of the Week. And, boy, the, all the teenagers definitely get some unique kills from getting shoved through the glass while having a cross drawn on your having a cross carved into your face just to mockingly ask where is your god now to being taken up all the way up to which is probably one of the tallest trees in in the holler and just given a nice vertical drop but i think the best kill is reserved for the guy behind this whole mess in the first place. Who... The, the creature gets shot by Lance Henriksen. And then it walks up. He walks up to the creature, kicks it, and then double taps it in the head. Just to make sure it's dead. He looks... It's dead. And then immediately the monster goes, Would you like to reconsider that? <laughs> and then grabs him by the leg throws him to the ground, and then grabs the gun, and immediately, he doesn't, okay, this might, this might go back to another what the fuck, it doesn't know how a gun works, but it understands the complex working as, of a motorcycle. Yeah. And then it just bounce, it, it stabs him with the rifle, and then starts bouncing him up and down like a kid trying to figure out, like, the ball in the cup. <laughs> And he's just standing there, just grinning like a kid. He He's happy as a pig and shit. And then when everybody just fucks off, he's still playing around with the guy on the ground, like lifting up his neck, letting it go, lifting up his neck, letting it go. Like, is it, you still with me, buddy? You there? Aw, oh, darn it. I lose more toys this way. Yeah, I thought it was pretty weird. He's playing with it. He's like checking to see, make sure that this guy has no life left in him. If he, is he dead? I gotta check. Uh, yeah, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> One more time. Is he? Yep, still dead. Okay, good. Now, now, now I can move on to motorcycle disrepair. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's good. It was a tough one to pick. I personally still think I like the. Um, 
the girls being slowly smooshed against the glass. But I, I respect <laughs> it. Was your a, dis- it was a precursor to Independence Day. Yeah. Release me. Jeez, that's a good point. That was another big, like, animatronic monster movie, too. With with a strobe light and a face pressed against glass. Yeah. Wow. I want to see those two scenes played together now. But anyway, yeah, good job. But uh, whatever your decision, I respect your decision, Mike. <laughs> it was not, a close second, though. I'll give it that. Not all of them, but this one. I'll give, <laughs> to you, I'll give you this one. Well, guys, that is it. That is Pumpkinhead. What did you think of the movie and our coverage? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think that we were too generous with the scores? Even though we didn't really give a score. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Jeez, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Um... <laughs> I scored it in my head, okay? <laughs> it was a seven. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Pumpkinhead? Let us know. You can email us at graveyardshiftpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at GYS underscore horrorpod. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash graveyardshiftpod and at instagram.com slash the graveyardshiftpod. You want to keep this show going? Well, it takes money, so give us some, jerk. (laughs) I don't mean that. I get angry when I'm sleepy. Sorry. But if you would like to make a donation to the show, you can go to patreon.com slash graveyard. For just $1 a month, you get to help us out with the show's cost. Plus, you get instant access to some Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes. You can only listen to those if you are a Patreon member. So... You know, you uh, get to help us out, and you get some extra entertainment, and who doesn't want that? But every month we post a new episode um, on Patreon that you can only get if you're a Patreon member, and we do it a little different than we do with the regular show. You know, it's pretty much whatever pops into our head, we find something interesting we want to talk about or do, like, and one time at least we even played a video game, so definitely different. And so check that out, but of course... We understand not everyone has the money to give us money, but you can still help us out a ton. The best way to do that is go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. In the long run, that's what's going to help us out the most. But, of course, not everyone is an Apple user. And even if you're not, I'm sh- whichever way you're finding our podcast, there must be some kind of rating and subscribing uh, system. So take advantage of that. We do appreciate it. If that's not possible, share us on social media, on your Twitter or Facebook, Instagram accounts, or follow us on those things, whatever you want to do. And if nothing else, just share us by word of mouth. If you think you know someone that would like to listen to a podcast about us talking about horror movies, let them know about us. We would greatly appreciate it. And Mike, other than the graveyard shift, what other unimportant things are you doing? (laughs) Well, among the other unimportant things, you bastard... Is the, is the Playing With Power podcast where me and some friends, well, now just one friend, read an issue of Nintendo Power magazine from front to back. We talk about the articles, the game coverage, the letters to the editor, all that stuff. And on that same feed, we also have something called the Taste Test where you can hear me and a different friend or two play old Nintendo games and share our thoughts on them. And if you don't want to hear any Nintendo stuff at all, you can check out Geek Fallout Productions on Facebook and wherever iTunes, wherever podcasts are downloaded. 
and listen to the Techno Babble show, which I'm on, and you can hear us talk about tech, science, amazing developments, and how the world can be saved or speedily destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're done listening to the Graveyard Shift, you can go check out those second-rate shows. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. They're good, actually, and all you guys are good. So, <laughs> so Definitely check them out. Uh, Playing with Power podcast was actually the catalyst that this podcast stemmed from. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, old Nintendo games or you had a subscription to Nintendo Power Magazine back in the day, check it out. I think you're going to like it. And uh, it's I, I, honestly one of my favorites. And, of course, yeah, the company do that with the taste tests, which is good because that goes really in detail with a specific game. And Technobabble, if you're a tech guy, then I think you're going to enjoy that. I know I certainly do. So check them out. And that's how I got into all podcasting because it was my very first podcast, and it's been recently revived. So it's all come full circle. It's Technobabble's fault, so that's what you can blame for listening to Mike. (laughs) But anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back next week with a brand new movie to cover. But until then, I'm Sheldon. And I'm Mike. And I'm going to go to sleep right now. Thanks for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. Yeah, and I'm not the only one. Film critic and editor-in-chief of Fangor... Fuck! Former editor-in-chief. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck turd Snapple. <laughs> well, I'm sold. How can I get a copy of The Ultimate Strange Guide to Cinema for myself? The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. <laughs> what did I say? The Ultimate Strange Guide to Cinema. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Come on, man. We're professionals. We can do this. (laughs) We've been at this for a whole year. We should have this down.